You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. Good morning. How are you today? Yes, joyful. God is doing something. I can sense it. So um, usually I introduce something first and then we pray. But I just feel that we need to stay in this place. There's joy. And I think he's going to break something that is supposed to be broken. Maybe it's lies. I feel that it's lies from the enemy that have been in our minds for so long. He's going to be breaking those stuff today. It's like chains just getting off. They are going to be falling to the ground. And I feel he's going to deposit something. It might be joy. There's so much joy. So uh, just in your own words, tell him you are ready for that deposit. Just open your heart, your mind. Father, we thank you for what you are doing, what you have prepared from the beginning of times for right now, this moment. We know you are moving We know you are doing something, and we want to know. We want to say yes. We want to receive whatever you have in store for this day, for this morning. Father, we want it. Deposit what you have for us today. Open our minds. Open our hearts. Give us a new perspective Let us see how you see. And as we hear your word, bring joy like never before. Let us experience the joy that exists in heaven today here on earth. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen. Yes and amen. Yes. Just stay in this place of his presence. Welcome this morning to Spindle City Vineyard. If you don't know me, I'm Perla Samitis, and I'm part of the team that serves this beautiful church. It's a privilege. And we are going to start with our continue with our journey. We've been through the Bible, and we started last week with what Brittany introduced, a first part of the book of Ezekiel. It's one of the main big prophets of the Old Testament. And we learned that uh, this book is divided in three parts. So Brittany taught about last week um, the first part. So I'm going to give you 60 seconds Just to remember, if you remember what the message was about, um, God was giving judgment to his own people, to Israel, to Judah, but he went ahead of them. Remember, that was like the word. It was very powerful that they were going to go in exile. Yes, they were going to be out of their own land. They were going to be in a different country, different language. Just imagine how that was like. But God himself left that land, 
went ahead of them so that he could meet them there. So 60 seconds to share how you lived or meditated or applied that message. If you don't remember all the details, you'll share one thing where you saw God this week that you know that it was just God or just share something from your week. Okay, so 60 seconds, go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm sure you heard amazing things. Okay, I pray that God continues even more and more increasingly, okay, every week. All right, so today we're going to the second part of Ezekiel chapters 25 to 32. And there's a third one next week, which is kind of the happy ending, okay? We have the first part, which is Judah in exile and the judgment of Judah. The third part, it's how it's going to be, everything is going to be okay, which I won't go into there. But there's a parenthesis. These chapters are like a parenthesis in the middle of those brackets, okay? And this is all about the judgment of the nations. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> yes. God has amazing things, believe it or not, okay? Uh, so we're going to be parking here and see how God does it's his perspective. I believe he's going to give us new perspectives. He's going to allow us to see his heart in the middle of all of these. So Ezekiel speaks and writes about what God is going to do and what God thinks about the nations around Israel and Judah. It's not now about Judah. It's about those around Judah. And Imani did a wonderful job. Remember when she talked about Jeremiah? And the, yes, it was wonderful. It's the same nations. Jeremiah was back in Judah when Ezekiel was taken to exile. So Ezekiel was talking to the Jews that were already in exile, while at the same time, Jeremiah was speaking on behalf of God to the ones who stayed back at home, if you want to call it like that. And I was just amazed because I was thinking, wow, they were really in tune with God's voice. They were speaking mainly the same things. But in that time, they didn't have internet or Wi-Fi to agree on that. They didn't have a smartphone. They had the Holy Spirit. And you can see through this that he was speaking the same thing at the same time in two different countries without any way of them communicating. And it's the same, but at the same time, it's different. So when Imani spoke about that, it was really powerful to see what they were doing and how God was looking at these nations, right? With Ezekiel, it's the same nations, and we're going to see a map uh, just for you to kind of have a visual where they were, okay? The little red dot, it's Jerusalem or Judah, and then you have all the nations around, okay? And I try to underline, okay, all the nations around them. And when you read about the judgment from Ezekiel's perspective, 
what I noticed is that while Jeremiah was looking at the acts, like you did this and you did that and it's so evil, okay? Uh, Ezekiel, from God's perspective, was looking at the heart of the nations. And we're going to go one by one. It's going to be very fast because I think he wants to speak more into that. But that was very interesting to me that he went one by one, like clockwise. Okay? He started with Ammon and then Moab, Edom, and then goes to Tyre and Sidon. And then at the end, it's Egypt. It's one by one. And all of these were through history, in some manner, the enemies of Judah. They cursed Judah at some point. They did something at, this, at some point. And we're going to see how God sees them, okay? It's all about the attitudes. And what really got my attention is that God here is highlighting something. He's highlighting that, of course, yes, he sees our hearts as individuals, like every human person has attitudes, and he deals with that, and we try to be like Jesus now in the time of Jesus. But nations, nations also have a heart. And nations can go one way, can go the other way too. And I was thinking, well, I never forget the definition of, J uh, of nations because the definition of a country usually is geographic, something that you can feel, you have the borders, you can see it in a map, that's a country. But the nation is the people that live or form that country. It's individuals. So when God speaks against a nation, he's looking at the heart of the majority that becomes the heart of one country. And it's, that really, it was highlighted to me. So the first one, Amon. This is like a court, and Ezekiel writes, okay? The accusation is this. The verdict is this. So the judge speaks. It's like a court, like in a courtroom. Okay, the accusation with Ammon, expressing satisfaction over the misfortune of Judah. When Judah was invaded, there was satisfaction. And that's an attitude of the heart. I don't know if you've seen maybe even in movies, or maybe the villains, my daughter likes Disney movies. And all the villains in the Disney movies, right? When misfortune comes to the princess, they are like, ha, 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 ha. Like, that's what I imagine. Like, there's a satisfaction in the heart for something that is bad or sad. And God says, I don't like this. This is very, very sad. It's not, it's not his heart. And so judgment came to Ammon because of this heart attitude. At the end, Ezekiel makes sure and always says the purpose of judgment, because there's a purpose. And it's always that the people that are going to go through judgment know that he is God. So something very drastic has to happen for this specific nation, that that will be the only way for them to know that I am the true one God. And that's the purpose. So the next nation, it's Moab. And you have all the chapters there. The accusation, 
So they are in the courtroom. Uh, they cursed Israel. They compared them to other nations. And that meant we don't believe that you're special. You, your God doesn't exist. And they cursed the nation. And again, God like, nope. You cannot say they are not mine. You cannot say I'm not exist. And the nation, the one whole was so hard, hardened, that they had to go through something also. Very drastic so that purpose. They would know that he is God. At the end, they were going to meet God. The next nation, Edom, and that goes to Philistia, which is not there, but the Philistines that you read about Jesus, and they are still there in the map, okay? Accusation, another attitude of the heart, perpetual attitude of vengeance. So when they want to revenge all the time. Attitude of the heart. And God said, no, you were like this to the ones that are my people. You'll go through some of my judgment, and again, the purpose, then you will know that I am God. And God says that Edom is going through that until Jesus comes the second time. So there are some nations that are still going, but the whole purpose in the process is that at the end, they will know that God is real, and he's the one true God of Israel. So it's a purpose. Then we go with Tyre. And Tyre, it's, yeah, if you see the chapters, it's a long prophecy. It's highlighted because it represented the big economical power of the time. The strongest nation, the richest nation. They have all the commerce. They use the, uh, the sea and ships to trade and to bring everything that was precious and just sell it to the nations. So the Bible says that kings dressed from everything that Tyre would import and trade. So it was really there. And I was thinking, wow, I don't know. What would be the equivalent today? Like the strongest, most powerful economic power in the whole world. That was Tyre at that time. And it's a very, very long prophecy. And it's interesting because there's the same accusation and verdict. But this time, there's accusation against the city or the nation and accusation against the king, one person leading the nation. So God seeing the heart of the whole okay, and the heart of the person who is supposed to be leading the nation. It's very, very important. So God says, okay... You became proud and arrogant. And once pride entered your heart, you became cruel and oppressed. And that's why they had to go through all this judgment, all these consequences. But at the end, the purpose is the same, so that they can see and acknowledge and come, and come to know that he is God. So when he goes against the king and just describes him. Uh, what I found in a commentary is that this is one of the most interesting passages in the Bible that it's difficult to uh, kind of explain because when he describes the king of Tyre, 
It goes with the description in Isaiah where he describes Satan. And he tells, you were in the Garden of Eden, and you were perfect in a splendor. And you made yourself at a point, you made yourself just wanted to be like God and pride entered into your heart and then you went, you went, you, you were expelled. And the Bible says, wow, this is how Ezekiel would see this person leading tired, compared, okay? And what's highlighted to me here is because I can see God is looking at attitudes in the heart, it's pride and arrogance are powerful in the heart of a person or the heart of a nation. And when we see that, that should be scary because it's something God says he resists the proud and he exalts and loves the humble. So something was highlighted, like, okay, we have to make sure, just see humility. And I was thinking, like, wow, all of these political powers, and we were in the elections just recently. And I saw a poster in an elementary school, and I was just remembering about all of this reading Ezekiel because there was this kid that posted in the hall in the school, like, vote for me. I'm really good at numbers. You should make me my, your treasurer. And vote for, and the name, and at the end he said, please. <laughs> I was like, oh, that spoke to me because I was like, oh, if candidates would be like that, if they would highlight the good things they are good at or their gifts or their talents, like I'm good at this, I did this, or I studied this at least, or I'm really good at this, please vote for me, please be polite. <laughs> that would be so much different, right? We would be voting for somebody that at least telling us what he or she is good at and not the pride or the arrogance of accusing or dirty language. Or it's nothing like what God is really wanting and showing us as he judges the nations around Israel. So he goes to Sidon and he says, like, well, this is the sister of Tyre. So they went along the same way. And he says judgment is going to be actually the manifestation of God's grace. Because as they go through that, they realize, wow, they do have a God. And that's the real one. He is real. And they believe that God is God. At the end, we have Egypt, which, of course, we know there's a long history of Israel with Egypt. So he has all these chapters describing Egypt. And again, he goes against the nation and describes the king or Pharaoh in that case. And he sees the heart. And what he says about Egypt is pride again and unreliable support, which would be like lying, saying like, yes, we're going to help you, and at the end, they don't, right? So giving hope to Judah and then crushing that hope that I just can see or feel God's heart, 
right? And again, even with Egypt, the purpose of judgment is that they will get to know God. So at the end of every thing in these countries, okay, even it could be a very short prophecy, it could be the longest for chapters and chapters like Egypt, he always ends with these phrases, so that you will know that I am the Lord, or this is going to happen, and they will know that I am the Lord, and then they will know that I am the Lord God. It's always this phrase, and I'm thinking, wow, we can really see how even when we see God as a judge, he is loving human beings as individuals, and he is loving nations and countries as a whole. And that was powerful to me because we know that sometimes we don't like the word judgment, right? Or we don't want to think about God as the judge. But God is so holy and so good that he needs to make things right. Just imagine, in this case, like in Judah, that they would suffer oppression and cruelty and violence and God being completely indifferent. That wouldn't speak really well about him, right? But because he cares and because he loves, he says, I cannot allow them to go without some consequences for what they did, but there's going to be a purpose. And the purpose is for them to also get to know me. And that's amazing. Because in, as Ridney said, the uh, people of Israel knew that they had God and they were almost like entitled. We have God. Nothing is going to happen to us. The other nations don't have him, but we do. Right? And God is saying, no, I want them to also get to have me get to know me, which is what happened when Jesus came. And we're going to read some of, we're going to kind of like fast forward to the time of Jesus and just keep in mind all of this, okay, what we're going to be seeing in Ezekiel, okay, because we're going to be jumping here, it's two things that you have on the screen. One is the nature of God and two is the purpose and the nature of the judgment. And that's what we are already seeing. Okay? When he judges the nations, he makes sure to tell Ezekiel, tell my people this so that they can have hope. They are not forgotten. They are still protected. Even when they are in exile, God went ahead, meet them there. And this is what we read in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 24. God says, and there will no longer be for the house, bless you, for the house of Israel a painful thorn or a hurtful thorn bush from any surrounding them who despise them. So they cause pain and hurt. And God says there won't be that anymore at all. Okay? Because then, they, and this is the nations, this is not Israel, this is the nations that cause pain and hurt. They will know that I am the Lord. 
And he continues the next two verses saying, everything is going to be okay. I am faithful. And we get to see that. Remember Deuteronomy when God said, if you do this, then you'll be blessed. If you don't do this, then you won't be blessed. Here we are seeing that. God means what he says. And God being faithful means that he's going to bless or he's going to judge. That's part of his justice. He's just, he's righteous, but he does that in his loving. So that's what we are seeing here in the Old Testament, okay? He also tells them they will regather. They will be regathered. They will be back from all the nations where they were scattered, and they will be a nation again, okay? They won't stop being God's people. This is going to be happening through history, and as we saw in Tyre or Egypt, even to the end times when Jesus comes a second time, okay? And it's very interesting because as you read Ezekiel, uh, he says of Egypt, for example, okay, you won't be able to raise us a great nation anymore for the rest of history. And do we see that fulfilled? That, that is impressive because we all know that Egypt was very powerful. This comes, God speaks, and that nation didn't or so far hasn't been able to be the same powerful empire that once was. So we see that God is faithful to bless and to judge, but we also see that he is sovereign over all the nations. He really is God. He sees not only individual parts. He sees the nations, and he cares and he loves nations. So the nature of God, he is just and righteous. We see his faithfulness. And the purpose of all these prophecies is that all, all tribes, all tongues, all nations, all peoples would know him that he's the one true God. Even then, he was speaking about that future. So let's fast forward to the time of Jesus. And I got very excited when I saw this. We're going to just to see some verses. Jesus comes. He comes to reveal the Father. And we're going to see how these nations are still there in the game. Okay? Matthew 15. We just read as Jesus goes around healing that Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the region of Tyrant Sidon. The ones that the, the people of Israel, they knew the prophecies and they knew like they are going to be destroyed because we have God. And then they see Jesus going to those nations. How do you think they failed? Just imagine, okay, Mark 7, 24 says, Now Jesus got up and went from there where he, wa he was to the region of Tyre. Yes. So he's going there. And remember that story in Jesus when 
there is a foreigner, a woman from another country, and she comes and he begs Jesus, like, my daughter has an evil spirit. Can you heal her? And Jesus goes like, no, because I have to first minister and heal the ones that belong to the house of God, the Israel people. And you, I cannot do that. And he uses really strong words, and he says, I cannot give the bread to the dogs. And this woman says, but even the dogs can, can eat the crumbles that fall on. That person was from that region. And Jesus said, because of that, because of this faith, go home and your daughter is free. She freed the daughter in the region that was supposed to be judged. Just really saying, I love people. And they all are getting now to know me. Now she knows and the daughter knows that I am God. And just imagine the people of Israel. So verse 31, after that happened, we read that again, Jesus left the region of Tyre and came through Sidon. He was really working there. She lived there and she got the miracle from Jesus. Luke 6 says that many people from this northern area of Tyre, Sidon, came to Israel just to hear about Jesus because they were hearing about all the miracles that he was doing, all the healings. And 17 says, Then Jesus came down from them and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, they knew, they came. So we read, okay, Jesus speaks to them, and we read in verses 16 and 28 later, we don't have that, but this anger the people, okay? So look for what happens is that he's making miracles, and even with the miracles, they don't believe in Jesus, Right? And there's a part where he says, like, wow, this unbelief. This is why in the times of Elijah, he was not sent by God to any widows in Israel. Okay? And we said he was sent to a widow to another country. Verse 26, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Sarepath in the land of Sidon. And this is in the Old Testament, to a woman who was a widow. And of course, they knew the prophecies. You're talking about that nation supposed to be destroyed. Love, love, God loves us only. They, he doesn't love the other nations, right? And Jesus proves them wrong. And he said, we see the reaction in verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. Rage. And it doesn't say some of the people. He said all the people. Because what are you talking about? We know the prophecies. We know these nations around us. And you are saying, right? Matthew 11, Jesus again warns some cities of the 
town, the, the people of Israel, okay? We have cities that refused to repent and didn't accept him, okay? Even with the miracles. We read 21, verse 21, Would you, Christ then, would you say that? For if the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. So Jesus is speaking like God is not only for one people because he is sovereign over all nations. He loves the nations. He loves every single person. And that speaks about, I don't know, the responsibility that we have. Because we usually hear about this and we respond like, well, it's, I have to respond for my own heart, right? And I pray that I, be, I become more like Jesus. So it's just very individually. But as individuals make decisions, as individuals act or behave in certain ways, they form somehow a heart that represents the nation. So the question that came to my mind, it's like, how is our nation? If we could see the heart, if we could see how, how God sees the heart of nations, how is our nation? And then the individual, how is my heart? Because he just speaks about the attitudes of the heart. But we know that he is faithful, that he loves nations, that in the time of Ezekiel, he loved the nations that he was judging. He demonstrated how he loved them in the times of Jesus, and he still loves them today, right now. He is the sovereign king over all nations. So how do we feel now when we think about God as a judge? Or when we think about what the Bible says the day of the judgment. And he gave me this verse, which was very like, oh, this kind of summarized everything. <laughs> First John 4, 16, uh, 17 to 19. It says by this, just Jesus, believing in Jesus, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, as Jesus is, we also are in this world that we know our calling, just the light of the world, okay, just uh, share his love. And then it says, there is no fear in love. When we read about judgment, in the past, in the Old Testament, now we know it's because God loves them and the purpose is for them to get to know him. But when we hear about judgment, there shouldn't be any fear. Because you know, we should know by now how much God loves us. That he gave us Jesus. And he paid it all so that we cannot go through that judgment, it's only love. He loves you and he loves me. And he said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love 
drives out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. And then we love because he first loved us. So just grab that truth. I don't have any reason to fear. Jesus paid it all. He paid for each individual on this planet in, in all history. And he paid for every nation on this planet because he loves the nations. So how do we respond to that? This week was interesting, and I found God speaking about fear more and more. And then in worship time, I think that's one of the things that he's going to be breaking, fear. And the answer is just God's love. Get free of fear. And I felt that we need to pray uh, for a new perspective, just a deeper revelation of God's love and his love, getting to know that love like never before is going to give you a new perspective, like new glasses to see God as a judge. Like there's no reason to fear. He's just, he's righteous. No need to fear. He loves us. So I felt that we really need to pray into that. Like, God revealed your love to me. Like, I've never known it before. And I need to see you with new eyes. I'm also feeling that we have to pray, and I wrote it down. Okay, no fear. And then I just felt the heart of the nation of Judah, how they were not only afraid, they were also feeling that they needed protection, like somebody come and defend me. And I just felt that some here might be in that place. Like, I don't know what the situation is around, but I just have that feeling that, please, somebody defend me. Somebody come and free me from what I'm going through. And we're going to pray for that. So Brittany felt that we needed uh, to pray for some. And if you are in this category, you feel that God is speaking to you, uh, I'm going to invite you to come to the front. And uh, the prayer team is going to come and pray for you. And she felt that we even... Uh, would go a step deeper with oil and anoint you. And it's just like a symbolic step saying he, you have God's protection. The Holy Spirit is on you. And pray for the freedom that you are longing for. So we're going to pray for that. Okay? If it's not you, please pray. I think God is going to be revealing new levels of his love. I need to see your love like never before.